Welcome to episode 5 of the Matt Bites podcast. I'm Mike Thomas. And I'm Elaine Giles. And I'm Mike Burke. And although we did advertise, if you heard last week's episode, that we were going to talk about uh, information management and DevonThink, we decided that because we've had so much great fun this week uh, installing and playing with Leopard, that we'd uh, continue. So uh, what I thought I'd do is uh, tell you about my installation, uh, first of all. Uh, because I'm playing catch-up with the other two, as, you, as you're aware. Um, they installed it uh, last week, and uh, I've managed to get around to installing it this week. Pretty painless installation, to be perfectly honest. Uh, backup, backup, backup was my, uh, my first thing with a piece of software called SuperDuper. And then I went about the process of installing it. I did a, a totally uh, install from scratch, no particular problems. Installed the software, took about an hour, and then I spent the rest of the time going through and installing all my applications. Although I did find a, a couple of issues, I must admit. Um, iTunes update, I did an iTunes update uh, last night along with a, a, a QuickTime player update, and uh, it didn't take it. Uh, so I ended up having to do it again tonight. And uh, also another strange issue. I changed my wallpaper. I decided I didn't like the the standard uh, leopard wallpaper so I actually changed it back to the the blue tiger one and uh, I didn't set up uh, multiple users and after it had done some software update this week it rebooted and uh, I got a lock on screen so it asked me to log in and in the background I actually had the uh, original wallpaper so I thought, hmm, something's gone wrong here. Heart in mouth job. And uh, when I actually put my password in, uh, it came back with a normal wallpaper. So it was uh, business as usual. So just to, to summarise on that, no real problems. And uh, if you are thinking of upgrading, um, I hope you have as, as painless an upgrade as me. What we have got is... Uh, Elaine's got some updates from uh, stuff that we talked about on the last episode, so uh, I'll hand over to you. Right, thank you for that. Um, we mentioned in the last episode SAFT, uh, which we talked about previously, and happy to report that yes, there was a version of SAFT that came out virtually straight away that was compliant with Leopard, but it worked in a different way. It had to be installed as a launcher. Well, since then, uh, SAFT 10.1's out, and all is now returned to its former glory. When you install it now, you get an option to install as a launcher or as an input manager. So um, that's worked well for me. I know it might be you had issues with SAFT. Yeah, well, because to be honest with you, the first... Uh immediate one that he launched uh, you know to be compatible with leopard wasn't power pc friendly either uh so I, I did put that one on my macbook pro uh but yeah i was much disappointed that it wouldn't go on my power pc machine so i uh yeah so i was pleased to see that the new version is as well as it not just being a launcher you know gives you the choice and we can use it as an input manager uh plug-in type application it's uh, power pc friendly as well so that's uh, that's us sorted. That is indeed good news. And more good news for me. My major crisis, Red Snapper. I'd is it back? Um, emailed uh, not not quite, not quite. But I'd emailed the developer and like everybody else I hadn't heard anything. So uh, being tenacious as I am, I emailed again. Uh, and I think uh, I wore him down and uh, he got back to me and said it's in progress. So uh, no news as to a date yet, but it's not necessarily completely dead yet. So the good news is he's working on it. So that was fantastic. That was my first bit of good news this week. Well, that certainly is good. That certainly is good news because I know how much you uh, missed it. And uh, I missed it as well. Um, like you said last week, a, a very small application, but a very useful application. Yeah, the actual feature that I use it for um, is included in, in SAFT, which is you can right click on a page. Say you've got a longish page that if you took a screenshot, you wouldn't get the bottom of the page. Um, if you right click in SAFT and say save as PDF, then it will actually scroll the page and save the entire page. So the actual feature I have got there. So what Red, Red Snapper is going to give me is the ability to do that with graphics. So PNG format and GIFs, etc. JPEGs. But it's the little button on the toolbar. I know it's pathetic. I can't live without my little button on the toolbar. So I'm looking forward to that one. And apparently when it's released, it will be a free upgrade for everybody who's already paid for Red Snapper. 
And the other item of good news I had, we were talking last week about developers and uh, the time they're taking and what they're doing to get things Leopard com compliant. And I've got an application that I use in, in my role as a trainer called Screen Steps. And it's a fantastic little application. Uh, it, it makes um, PDFs and web pages for training sessions. So maybe it's a, a sort of narrow field of appeal, but it does work and it does work very, very well. And I had two issues when I got it onto Leopard. Uh, one, the screenshots had a blue background to them rather than being transparent. And secondly, the interface itself had um, a blue bar showing at the top where it should have been a, gradi a gradiated black one. So uh, I got onto the forums and had a look and, and all was quiet. So I thought, well, I'll post and see if anybody else has got the issue. And the developer got straight back to me and said that they were just in the process of installing Leopard and having a look at it. And at four beaters and about 36 hours later, all problems fixed with it. So I'd like to say a public thank you to uh, Blue Mango for um, an amazing display of public service there to their users, I think. It's nice when uh, you, you get feedback like that, isn't it? And that all the problems are fixed. Well, it just goes to show, isn't it, that they all don't want to miss out and, you know, the potential uh, for, you know, for the future custom and future development opportunities they don't want to miss out on that so it's great that they're they're on the ball and getting it to doing what they can to be honest i thought um he'd probably be able to solve the issue of the blue toolbar the mysterious blue toolbar which turned out to be an intel issue it looked all right on his development machine because it was a power pc one um, but i was thinking oh dear maybe the screenshots issue is i don't know if you've noticed but we've now got a very very wide drop shadow on all the dialog boxes and when you snap a screenshot it's got this huge drop shadow included in the image with it and I thought maybe it's um, a system issue but no you can actually configure it and uh, he solved the problem for me so I thought that was brilliant still no update for my info panel of course in iCal so uh, I'm trying to garner troops to um, create a nice little army I think to send around to Apple and demand that we get our info panel back but I have found some good things about iCal so uh, we can have a look at those later. There's a few people have mentioned the info panel missing though uh, on, on some other podcasts as well it's a popular one that's uh, that's gone. I think it, it I mean today I've been putting in about oh about 20-25 appointments and lots of information to do with them and it's been a pain. There are a couple of advantages uh, to other things they've done but no, my info panel's not good at all. I've spent all day double-clicking, and if you sort of miss, then, then you double-click on the wrong one, and then that pops up over the one you want. Nightmare, nightmare, but I'm, I'm not going to go on about it. I'm just not happy that my info panel's gone. <laughs> well, we've, we've had some feedback on our uh, blog, haven't we, on, on mapbytes.co.uk from somebody else. I think it was Gasmas who um, mentioned that he wanted the uh, info panel back as well. Yes, but he is thinking of going to Leopard, so we've got to tempt him with all the good stuff. Mm. Okay, so uh, and any more, Elaine? Any any more updates? Nope, that's it for the updates. Um, I've spent a lot of the week uh, installing software. I have uh, have uh, installed Leopard on my iMac, which is my production machine, very bravely. And um, I'm suffering greatly now. I'm suffering from installation exhaustion. In the last two days, I've been working with um, Creative Suite 3 Master Collection and Final Cut Studio 2. So uh, yesterday's installation took around four hours by the time it had finished. And today's was uh, over four hours for Final Cut Studio. So I'm exhausted, but I have got a lot of the software back. And the good news is it, in the main, seems to be working OK. So if anybody's worried about CS3, I've managed to get the master collection on and the installation went seamlessly, so no nasty surprises during that. Um, it did update itself when it had finished. It actually took longer to download the updates than I'd imagined, but there again, there was quite a few of them. So um, installation exhaustion from me. How did you two guys go with software? Go on, Mike. I was going to say, I've, I've had no problems with software. Um, everything seems to be compatible that I've been using. Um, so, yeah, thumbs up from me. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. and I've had some spurious problems with uh, the combination of iChat and and when iChat was... Causing, and this is on, only on my PowerPC machine, though. Uh, I had problems with iChat uh, when I'm trying to connect with you guys and some other people. Uh I could do the text part, but the the audio connection kept failing, and, and the video connection would fail as well. 
and at the same time I had problems so I, I gave up with that and tried Skype and Skype uh, would just bounce in the dock and not you know not not launch properly and I could only get Skype to launch again even after restarting the computer and trying the obvious uh, I could only get Skype to launch again if I actually just uh, reinstalled it again copied the you know the the download the, you know, the application back to the applications uh, folder and it reinstalled and there's the only way I could get Skype to launch again and not quite got my head around that one yet it's a bit more researching uh, required but I managed to find out from uh, I was comparing because they had my MacBook Pro would work for the iChat communication but my PowerPC version wouldn't I was trying to compare the two and make sure there was any nothing different in terms of the firewall blocking it and things like that and what I did notice was that uh, if people might, if people have the same problem, they might be able to find this out. There was uh, another iChat application type thing in the firewall listings that's you know listed as an allowed application, and it was instead of just iChat.app, there's also uh, iChatAgent.app, and that was listed in my MacBook Pro, but it wasn't listed in my PowerPC version, so I went looking for iChatAgent.app and it's uh, in one of the uh, system library folders rather than just in the applications folder and I put that into the firewall listings as being you know, an allowed application and I then uh, used the Apple's, I got there's a, there's a test account you can test with video and audio and I was able to use the test account again uh, and prove that you know that that allowed it. So something had gone wrong where that had gone astray, but I've put it back manually, and the iChat agent the app back in the firewall rules and being allowed again, and it was working again. So that was a, a strange one that I've not quite proved as to how it happened, but uh, and, you know because I've not had the same problem on my MacBook Pro, uh, but I managed now to I've fix it. I've heard about Skype and firewalls. Um, there was uh, a post I saw somewhere, and other people are having problems with Skype, uh, and it is to do with the Apple Firewall. I know there's been a lot of discussion about the Apple Firewall, but uh, this was a, a firewall issue, and they had the same issue as you. They couldn't get out. Mm. Well, uh, Skype's not. Uh, I had a recent... I mean, there's a beta version of Skype available for download, isn't there, rather than from the Skype main website, and the the beta version is available... Uh, and but that didn't solve me the, the issue with, with Skype not launching for me. Uh, so yeah, I had to just keep reinstalling it, and it it launched again. So I, I, after a spell of it behaving, and then a spell of it misbehaving. So like I said, I've not quite proved. And maybe someone could uh, chime in with a bit of uh, comments or feedback on this. If someone else has had the same problem, then let us know. Uh, so I'm curious. I'm not not managed to work that one out yet. Maybe Skype's taking the hump with you, because you're iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Oh, because I won't be using it. And Skype's telephony, and it's not pleased with you now. Oh, I can't say I'll be dropping Skype too soon. I think we're going to have to get a bleep machine every time iPhone is mentioned. Oh, no. I can do that in post. <laughs> Even uh, someone unposted on the blog and just ended up using, you know, iPhone, comma, iPhone, comma, iPhone, comma, mentioned my name. And then I reply. I wonder I why. <laughs> Did you see my reply? I did. <laughs> I put, Soon, I but you're going to have to wait two minutes longer. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's really going to kill you, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> Just, I'll be in such a haze, you know, such a, a dizzy state of God knows what. So, uh, no. You mean like you're not already? <laughs> Never mind. You sit there and dream of your iPhone. Now, Mike T, what about your experiences with the dual monitors? Yeah, um, I've had some interesting experiences uh, this week. Um, I've got uh, I've got dual monitors set up. I've got my uh, my iMac, and uh, I've got a, a seventeen inch monitor as well set up. And uh, I found some interesting things this week. One of the things I found was that you can actually have two wallpapers, uh, one separate wallpaper per um, per monitor. Uh, which you couldn't have in Leopard. What you can't have is two screensavers, but two two separate wallpapers. Um, so that's that's really good. Um, something else that I found was spaces. We haven't really talked much about spaces, although I'm sure we'll discuss that as as we go on. I will. But um, yeah, you will. Okay. Well, spaces actually, if you've got both, if you've got dual monitors, it does include both screens as part of the space. So if you've got uh, 
four spaces set up, then effectively you, you, you've got eight spaces. And something else, going back to a, a tip that, uh, that John Kelsall sent in a, a few weeks ago about uh, taking a, a screenshot. If you use the, the, the command shift and three, which, uh, which John talked about, uh, it actually will take two screenshots, uh, one per screen. So uh, that's, that's some information, some useful information on dual monitors. I want another monitor. <laughs> it won't work on yours because it's a G5. I know, yeah, that won't. But I mean, I want, <laughs> I want another monitor for my MacBook Pro. Yeah, I know the G5 yeah, won't You can't do. beat dual monitors. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, you get used to it very quickly. You you can actually get um, wallpaper, special wallpaper that's that that, that is designed to, to span across um, the the two monitors as well, which is great. Going back to what Elaine's just said, which which you get used to it very quickly. Um, I I thought you know it's a bit extravagant you know is is it a gimmick do I really need two monitors um, but like you say as, as soon as I started using it it it, it is useful you, you can't you can't live without it so yeah I would I would definitely recommend if you can have two monitors for those who are unaware um, if you have got an iMac an Intel iMac it will let you use monitors, a second monitor, as either a mirror of the first one or it will span across it. And if you want to do it, all you need to do, um, the, the monitors that we're using are just our, our old PC monitors. Um, mine's a 19-inch widescreen, as Mike said. His is a 17-inch, just standard VGA monitors. Um, then all you need to make it work is a mini DVI cable to VGA from Apple, and they're about £15. You can either get them in the store or get them online. Uh, just a little white connector that will just connect it up and uh, it works fantastic. In fact, the monitor works better on my, my Mac than it ever did on the PC. So I can heartily recommend that. Well worth it. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, Safari, of course, there's a new version of Safari out. Uh, what do we think of that? Well, I'll jump in there. I'm loving it, uh, especially now I've got Saft installed. Um, one of the things that I used to do a lot was drag tabs from window to window. Um, I think, going back to the previous version, you needed Saft to do that. Um, but what was happening was, when you drag a tab from one window and you drop it in the other, the page disappears out of the first window, appears in the second. But if it was the last tab that was displayed in that first window, then you were left with an empty uh, Safari window. And what's happening now is, when you drag the tab from one window to another, as you pull it down off the tab bar, it sort of pings outwards and gives you um, on your mouse pointer next to the mouse pointer you get a little icon that actually represents the page and you can then drag that over to the second window and drop it and if it was the last tab it actually closes the first browser window for you as well so I'm liking that I think that's very very good so for you guys in the previous version of Safari who didn't have Saft installed did you used to be able to drag the tabs about within a window oh no not at all Ah, so that was um, a soft feature. Well, now it's actually built in. So uh, that's good news in Safari as well. Also liking the fact that I can now um, access my webmail, which I couldn't before. It wasn't supported. Uh, I've still got issues with um, the Google Notebook and things like that, though, which is a great shame. A great shame. So what about you guys? Uh, well, have you tried this new feature uh, where you can take a web clipping and turn it into your own little dashboard widget? No, but I've no doubt that you have done that. It's <laughs> Tell us all about it. Well, it's, it's, it's a new button that's on your toolbar. Uh, on mine, I mean, you can customise your toolbar and move your buttons around and everything. But uh, I've got it uh, just next to me, printer icon, um, printer button, and it's a little dotted line with a pair of scissors next to it. Can you see it? I can. Yeah. Well, that's the your new web clipping. Uh, and turn a, turn a web clipping into a, into a widget button. Uh, all I need to do, to be honest with you, is find something useful <laughs> to, to use it on. But uh, it seems to work. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of little goes where you click the button and you and you end up. It seems to be able to detect in the web page, uh, you know, a part of the web page, a component of the web page that's going to be getting updated and things like that. You know, so it's. Uh, Pages that are, you know usually got some RSS attached to them or something like that, uh, you know, and news feeds. 
and so as you move your mouse around it homes in and sent you know and and you end up with like grab lines around these things and then you can just stretch the uh, frame around so you can grab a bit more of the page if you want uh, and then click the add button and that immediately takes it to your to your dashboard for you loads it into your dashboard and then you've got your own little widget that's going to be uh, updated automatically as that web page updates and what a brilliant brilliant idea if only I could find something really really useful to to use it on so I have had a bit of a mess with some of like for example weather sites uh, I've had a, I've, I've also done it on uh, me my trains I get the train to work quite often uh, so me live departure board websites for the train times I've had a go on that you know on that as well so yeah, I think there's some potential, some some uses for this. Uh, so yeah, have a have a mess with that, and uh, you might have a bit of fun with it. I mean, because uh, let's be honest, I mean, since I, we've we've switched, I don't know how much you've used the dashboard itself. Uh, do you find yourself going into the dashboard for you know for certain things that you like there? To be honest, no, I don't. Um, I've probably got more more pages open in Safari or something like that. Um, do use it occasionally for the clock. Um, I have different time zones set up, usually when I'm surprisingly enough waiting for an announcement from Cupertino. Uh, but apart from that, not really. I tend to use the calculator, but um, I, as you speak, as you've been talking now, I've just gone and, and played with a, this, this widget thing. Have you seen the little eye information icon at the bottom? It lets you set your own frame. It's it's great. It's it's yeah. a It's a lovely little thing, and I just think that... This has uh, got some great potential, and uh, I'm going to be finding. I, I mean, I've only. It just suddenly dawned on me that I remember it being previewed when Steve Jobs uh, did one of the first announcements uh, and showing, you know, some of the the cool new features in Leopard. I remember it, and it was one of the like the last things that he demonstrated. And it's only s suddenly, you know, dawned on me that uh, in the last uh, couple of days, because I've been messing about installing applications and testing applications. And you kind of forget about hang on the the basic stuff. Uh, Safari itself has you know has has had a, some updates, and yeah, this is this new cool new feature. So have a play with web clippings because I'm sure that I'm going to be finding more stuff to put it on. So the useful things I've, I've put on it up to now have been uh, the weather page and uh, my live departure boards for my train times, uh, so I can keep an eye you know whether my trains are delayed and things, which yeah, invariably they are. So I, I actually don't need a self updating page for that. I can actually just manual. <laughs> it's it's that's more predictable than the weather, isn't it? So uh, what yeah, so have a play with that one. Gmail. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Well, Gmail's mm. got IMAP now, isn't it? Is anyway. So you can put your Gmail easily in uh, in your mail app, and uh, which I haven't done yet. You could do that. But yeah, you could possibly get. It. I, I, I remember listening to somebody who said that the they were even able to. It was somebody in America on one of the podcasts who said that they were even able to log into their 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 personal uh, stock portfolio page, you know, to see all their stocks and shares, and they were able to log in. And once it was, you know, they were logged in, they were able to cre create the web clipping. And obviously, due to cookies and things like that, that it was able to keep it updated after he closed his browser and his dashboard widget was that he created was getting his live updates for his uh, stocks and things. Uh, so, you mentioned Gmail there, so we, that's a site that obviously you've got to log into with, uh, and authenticate into, then yeah, it possibly could still work with that. And while he's looking at his stocks and shares, you're sitting there waiting for your late train. Well, hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, honestly, I, I do feel as if, there's a, if more people are going to realise that, you know, find out about that, realise it's there, and going to find, I think people are going to be cre creating their own little web clippings it's for example i mean one of the reasons i actually went looking for pith helmet and things like that, ad advertising blockers the train live departure board website that i use is an, a nightmare for flash animation animated adverts that are awful for you know eating system resources well i don't need all that now all i do is put me a little web clipping around the actual table part of the you know the form part of the uh, of the page that's got the live updates for the train times and just clip that out of it uh, so you are single-handedly killing online advertising here. Uh, it's absolutely marvellous. <laughs> so yeah. Now, one I'm thing you've not mentioned: the new find in Safari. Now, Mike T will tell you all about go that. On, go on. He's a big fan. 
That is cool, yeah. If you actually go into Safari and you um, use the command edit find, what it does is it highlights all the occurrences of the word that you type in. It actually highlights them in yellow and then you can just press uh, enter and it will take you through each one, cycle you through each one one at a time, which I think is is brilliant. And to highlight it a little bit more, doesn't it dim the screen? It does. I was just going to say that. It dims the screen out. So what I've done is I've just pressed Command and F on the uh, the BBC news page. I've just typed the word man and it's actually highlighted in yellow background all the currencies of the word man. And then when you press enter, it actually cycles you through them one at a time, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Now, see, I like that because I have the find open quite a lot. You can actually, in the old version, you could leave the find dialog open and as you change from page to page, you could reuse it without having to close it and then open it up again. The thing was, I'd lose it. It would be behind other windows yeah, or yeah. on the There's second monitor and box, stuff. Wasn't it? Mm, well, now it's all integrated. Isn't so, that, that's a nice small feature, but very nice. Yeah, we like that. Do you think, do you think that Safari's faster? I think it's a lot faster. Could, of course, be because I've sorted out my system, got rid of a lot of rubbish, but then mm. last two days I've, I've spent piling the thing back on and it still seems faster. So, yeah, I'm happy with it. I like Safari. I think the whole machine runs faster. Um, I think we said this the other day. Uh, usually when you put um, a new operating system um, on, dare we mention it, uh, Windows, then your machine slows right down, but uh, this seems to have speeded up the machine. I think so as well. I, I don't think I've ever done an upgrade to any new operating system and found it faster. Um, often, even with a new computer, it's still doing a lot more and it's just not running as fast as the old one did. But this is much, much faster. Are you finding the same, Mike? And yeah, I think it's you know when we talked about these uh, websites that are, you know that certain ones are full of adverts and things. This newer version seems to be coping better, even though I, so I've I've tried it. You know, I'm not blocking these advertisements, uh, and these, you know, so they're lovely, flashy animated things. And it, this one does seem to be coping better. Uh, maybe it was you know, uh, again, uh, there's part of me that suspects my system was snow you know covered in all sorts of rubbish and it needed a good clean out so I do wonder possibly but uh, to now I, I do believe it's uh, things are being rendered but like Mike was saying then in general things are feeling snappier so on to having a look at transferring mail uh, did either of you transfer your mail or did you start again well I transferred my mail and uh, it went relatively smoothly um, all I did is I took the back up of the mail folder and I just copied it over onto the new mail folder. Um, I did have a, a strange issue um, in that um, I've got a section called on my Mac and that came in twice but I did find um, after a bit of uh, research on Google I did find that if you just drag one of them away it sorts itself out. Uh, um, you lost me now. Uh, I mean I, I just put my mail details in again and it dragged everything that was left on the server because I'm using IMAP for both my accounts, my .mac account and my personal one. So everything just appeared. In oh, we see you took the easy way out there, didn't you? You know what I'm like with my spam issues. Oh, so right. um, transferring my mail was... Um, I, ha I probably had more issues than uh, Mike T did. Um, I did exactly the same as he did. Um think where we went different ways was that at the point that I used my .Mac account to take the accounts in um, and the auto signatures and the other things I then decided before I even ran it to install SpamSiv uh, and my logic was I don't want it to start downloading all the stuff that's on the server at the moment without SpamSiv being there so uh, SpamSiv worked seamlessly no problem with that at all there was a warning that you might have to do it twice but I didn't it just worked first time um, I then dragged and dropped my mail folders in there and yes they opened up and they were fine but I, I did have the problem that Mike T had where after it had opened and you're just sat there it, it's not downloading any mail it's just sat there and I did have this on my Mac section which I hadn't had previously and all of a sudden as I'm just looking at the screen 
it just duplicated itself. So I too had two folders. And I'm just, I sat looking at it thinking, what's going on there? And as I'm watching, there's folders moving around, literally just on their own, moving from one bit to another. So I just left it and watched it. And eventually the second on my Mac section just disappeared. Where I did start to have huge problems was um, I had five mails in my inbox waiting for me to deal with them. And they were still there, but they were blank. They had no content in them at all. Even when you double click to open them up, they were still blank. So I had a look round and advice was you need to re-index. So you had to delete two files, close mail down, delete these two files and then open it up again and it would re-index. So I did that and it did re-index. Um, it seemed to do some good with the rest of the system. But what it didn't do was get me back the content of the five blank mails. So luckily for me, as I've explained previously, I've got this auto archiving backup thing going on and I could pull these five mails out of one of the archive folders. But other than that, I would have lost them because we're using POP3. So um, that was a bit of a concern, but not a major issue. Managed to get it sorted out in the end with a re-index. Oh, I thought, uh, I thought the days of POP3 had begun now. No, no, some of us are still there with our stone slabs. Quickly, while we're just on mail, have you noticed uh, a small, small, tiny little feature in Mail now? Is uh, it was how it was described as data detectors, I think it was. And if you've got an email open, you know, you can just hover your mouse around, and if it spots a, a date or a name or something like that, you've got a, a little drop down, and you can got some options there, like you know, create a new icon event or you know things like that. Uh, I must admit that's that's. That's cool the way they've done that. It's just dead subtle uh, and can be really, really useful. And, and for example, and what I like about it is I'm looking at an email here that somebody sent me and there's uh, dates are mentioned in this email but in different formats. So in paragraph one of this email, it mentions the date uh, on 22 August. And I hover my mouse over that and it detects that. And f further down in paragraph three of this email is put uh, 24 stroke seven. And it detects that as a date as well. So I just love the way it can deal with anything. Uh, so it's really, and days of the week, it spots the days of the week. Uh, and it knows that this, when you tell it to create a new icon event, it's like, it, I mean, it mentions the word Wednesday here. For creating a new icon event, it automatically goes to the next, you know, upcoming Wednesday. And I said, oh, well, it's a good guess for of them, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, so that's a cool new feature that I think. Yes, I noticed that today uh, I was getting a lot of appointments, these 25 events I was putting in, and I noticed it was it was picking up things such as this Friday, which I thought was uh, very impressive. One thing I did note with it that I was a little bit disappointed with was when you say send to iCal as an event, it does indeed do it. It takes you to iCal, it adds the event to the necessary day, it opens up the infamous bubble, and you can start putting things in. Because you've done that from a mail item, it puts in uh, that in the URL field in the bubble, which is the info, it puts a URL back to the mail. So once you've created it, when you bring that information bubble up again in iCal and you click on the URL, it takes you back to the mail item in mail.app. The problem with that is you can't edit it and you can't delete it, nor can you add in another URL because in my case, what I wanted to do was get the confirmation email that I'd got, high, uh, you know, hover over the date, get the data detector, add it to iCal, and then change the URL from being the mail to being the online URL of the conference, and it, it wouldn't let me do it. So, love the feature, shame about the URL. iCal needs a bit of work, doesn't it? What they really need is me in there for a couple of weeks. Right, needs work then. It would be better when I'd finished, be honest. I can't help it. I use iCal a lot. And if it's not just so... Do I detect a strop? <laughs> not yet. No, because I found some good features in iCal too. But we'll talk about those later. So how have we been doing with networking? Well, I've got two computers uh, and they do work seamlessly together in terms of when I'm on the local network. But I think it's, I'm due for another rant another little rant uh, don't talk about me and my strop <laughs> this this new feature that's, <laughs> we're just as bad really aren't we this new feature that has been promoted called back to my mac you think oh you know because i mean recently for example they've, they've updated the 
the dot max because we get more storage and the new web galleries and some f new features you think well yeah, it's about time i started doing something with this 70 pound a year we were paying uh, and this new feature back to my mic i thought it sounds brilliant great really useful and i've listened to other people on another podcast say that you know in that they've used it and it's and it works great i can't get it to work at all i'm a fully fledged dot max subscriber uh in my settings, in the preferences and everything, it says that yeah, it's switched on. Uh, can't can't get it to work now. My my thought is, I mean, I, I'm checking like according to Apple's forums and you know Apple support information, it says that the, you don't need to open any specific ports in the router. You need to just enable UPnP in the router. So obviously, this back to my Mac features using UPnP. Now, I'm I'm not got it working yet so i'm kind of concerned now is it just a upmp issue with my router or so i could possibly try another router to prove that or i've also thought that i do use apple remote desktop now i wonder if apple remote desktop is in some way kind of overriding this feature or interfering with this feature so if anyone again my little appeal for help if anyone out there has uh has got the back to my mac feature working uh, remotely you know from when they're outside somewhere else on the internet and they're able to get back to the mac at home uh you know and get all the your shared files and you know get all your documents and things then uh let us know how, how you got on and uh, did you do have to, have to do anything special uh especially with the router or with the firewall you know apple's own firewall because again i i believe i've checked everything possible that needed checking and uh, i'm still not getting anywhere with it that's a little bit of a rant <laughs> Oh, well, we can try it on Thursday night at our Mac user group meeting. Oh, yeah, we'll try that and get back to yours, you mean? Yeah, yeah. we'll do that. We'll like it. One of the things I've noticed with the network is um, I like the fact it's picking up the shares, uh, whereas before you had to go to network and then navigate to the machine and double-click it, log on to the machine, then log on to the share. It now is noticing them, and it's even remembering once you've logged on, uh, it says connect as, and once you've connected as whoever, it re it remembers that next time. So it's it's proving to be a lot quicker for me, just by remembering who you were connected as. Uh, the printer sharing seemed a lot easier as well. That went very seamlessly, and um, oh, the screen sharing's lovely. Screen sharing is brilliant. It's fantastic, isn't it? We tried it the other night. It's built into um, Finder as well as iChat. So there's a little button in Finder when you, when you move to a machine that can, you know, it's got Leopard installed and it has the necessary configuration set and there's a little button that's just share my screen. So I clicked that button and thought, mm, this'll never work. <laughs> Bit of a Windows moment there. And it did, it was fantastic. And not only could I, I think I shared, I think I, I shared my screen with Mike and then at the same time he shared his screen with me and you know that kind of effect you get inside a TV shop window where it like goes backwards, a bit like Time Machine. You can see in the background my machine and then again and oh, again and again. Oh definitely. yeah, it was fantastic. It was brilliant and that the, the, the image quality was very, very good. Normally I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a, a bit blocky, a bit slow, but it wasn't. It was fantastic. And I was able to uh, move things around and get spaces going on his machine as well. So uh, screen sharing is really cool. But again, using that locally on your local network, mm. my issue is another thing that we've uh, had a bit of matter with and which we've tried between ourselves and uh, is getting... Uh, sharing screen with using over iChat AV, which we're, we've been communicating over iChat with audio and video, but uh, and we've even had the, the little theatre fit function working, haven't we? But we've still not got the screen sharing again. So there might be some configuration issues with the router's firewalls that we need to get sorted out. But what puzzles me is we were able to get the video and the audio side of things sorted and we can send files through iChat uh, just by dropping the, the documents on, on your name in the iChat window. It works great, but we can't get the screen sharing part work. And the frustrating part is... Well, now I've seen it working, I'm going to blame you. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that... The problem must be, the problem must be your end, I right, Well, I blame the fact that you've not opened the ports in your router yet, so we'll get, to, we'll get to the bottom of it, don't worry. <laughs> right, has anybody tried dot max syncing? All the time. It's syncing all the time, mate. And... Yeah? 
Oh, I used it to transfer my settings because um, what with me having the MacBook Pro installed first, I automatically assumed in um, address book and iCal that what I'd be able to do was take a backup of, of the you know a data archive and then take it across to the machine and unpack it. And when I tried it, it didn't work. Um, it was an incorrect format. So I actually found that for my calendar, I did actually need a .Mac account to be able to do it with all the calendars all at once. The only other way to do it would be to take out the individual calendars one at a time. And obviously the more of those you've got, the more difficult it is. So um, I did an advanced sync option and shoved everything up there and then pulled it down onto the machine. And it worked very, very well. Uh, not something, to be honest, that I wanted to try without .Mac. So um, you use it all the time. What about you, Mike T? I use um, synchronization really just to, to, to as a as an additional backup. Um, particularly useful when I was um, doing the installation of uh, of Leopard to be able to upload my address book and my calendar and um, pull everything back down. Which reminds me, actually, um, I pulled everything back down uh, once I'd installed Leopard. My address book didn't my just book entries didn't come down I actually had to restore that from a, a backup that I'd done so that was a, another little issue that uh, I've just remembered oh no my mine did work um, all three of mine um, I didn't bring down my mail settings straight away but I did bring down um, the address book and iCal immediately and they were both fine because I knew you'd had the issue so I tried it and, and it was absolutely fine so I don't know what was going on with that one could have been a bad day for Dot Mac maybe Have you noticed they've added some new extra things to be synced as well? Yes I noticed that, your dock, that's an interesting one Dock and uh, dashboard widgets mm. so now I can get my train times on the other machine as well, yeah, perfect uh, sad, 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 so, sad, sad, sad. Yeah, so that no, but they've added that, uh, but also uh, preferences. I mean, it doesn't. There's a, there's a checkbox for you to synchronise your preferences. Now, I'm using a desktop computer and a laptop computer, and there are a few things. For example, that, you know, the prime thing is you know energy saver preferences and things that you definitely want to be different. Uh, so I, I can't see me using, uh, you know, and you know, I'm working with different screens and things like that. Uh, so no, I, I can't see us synchronising the preferences unless you had two identical computers. Really, what do you think? Well, maybe some people are using that as a backup feature, and they're they're, they're pushing a backup up there, and when they download it, they're downloading it to the machine that created the backup, rather than transferring it between machines. Ah, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Yes, I, I, yes, I, I, You're just blessed with two Macs. Right. That was that. See, I'm, I'm living a life of luxury, aren't I? I've only got you one are. screen now. You have, yeah. You're very limited in the screen department, <laughs> but not in the Mac department. <laughs> now you know what we're going to talk about next, don't you? Go on. Oh, he's going to get overexcited here. It'll be like a miniature iPhone seizure. Time machine. <laughs> Is this my bit now? Do I get to Well, it'll have to be because you're the only one that's using it. I did have a bit of a time machine issue. Uh, when I'd installed on my iMac, I uninstalled all my hard drives, just unplugged them at the back. I'd heard bad things about installing operating systems with external drives plugged in. So I unplugged them all, got Leopard installed, everything was fine. So I reached the point where I plugged all the drives back in. So the machine sat there, Leopard's running quite happily, and I'm around the back plugging in USB hubs and firewire cables. And when I went round the front, then I got a message there from Time Machine to say, you've plugged in this drive and this one, oh, and this one, and this one as well. All 12 of them. It thought it was Christmas. So there's me. No, no, no. Yes, I'm absolutely sure. No, I definitely don't. So over to you, Mikey B. Well, but you just mentioned one thing that I forgot to do that and it didn't cause me any problems though that I'm not that I know of was I didn't disconnect I didn't disconnect my external hard drives on my iMac when I did a clean install <gasps> lucky boy and that's one thing I you know I forgot to do it's because they're all hidden away under the desk uh, you I just, forgot they were there yeah cause, uh, well they've still lived to tell the tale well that's it still survived. but time machine yeah I mean time machine does seem to as soon as it seems to as soon as it sees an external drive that's big enough that it seems to think that's big enough because it definitely didn't offer me one of my external drives that's only got three gigabyte available. <laughs> it, definitely, <laughs> it definitely didn't uh, offer me a, a, to do a time machine backup on that one. And so when I 
had a clean out on one of the other drives and I was doing some backups of DVDs and and when it realised that there was some uh, enough space available, uh, it offered me to do the backup there, which uh, you know I cancelled it at that time until I was ready. But so I have now I've got one clean, reformatted hard drive uh, plugged into my USB one of the USB ports on my iMac G5, and that is now acting as a time machine backup drive. And I thought, well, I'll keep it that way. I'll keep it clean and I'll see how it runs. Now I've only been running with that for two two days so there's no there's been no disasters to recover yet uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to put the dunces hat on I'll have to purposely uh, go deleting stuff in, a, in the next couple of days uh, and see but I must admit the interface looks when the interface comes up it, there's another bit of really flashy eye candy that uh, you can imagine uh, your poor unfortunate Windows user friends are overlooking you know looking over your shoulder and they see that it is a bit of a wow moment when you when it comes up, so I'll, I'll give them credit there just for the actual design of the of, of the way you know it opens up the app, you know the time machine uh, feature. Uh, so you know, it's one thing I, I'm 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 pretty convinced that it's not, doesn't seem to be having any impact on my system resources and the, you know and in terms of like slowing everything down. Uh, it's backups that it's because once it's done this first major uh, backup, it's. It's, it's then going to, only going to be doing incremental backups, and it does them regularly. Uh, I think it's uh, every hour. So, because it's doing it every hour, then there's not a lot, uh, you know, for it to be doing all in one go. So, that's you know more than likely why I, I don't perceive that it's impacted my system resources too much. Uh, I've just bought a nice little new portable drive for my MacBook Pro as well, and I've enabled and it straight away. It offered me when I soon as I plugged it in. Even before I changed it from FAT32 to you know to uh, HFS, it, it it offered me did I want a time machine that that drive. Uh, so the only slight disappointment with time machine up to now is uh, my daughter Sophie uh, has lost her Doctor Who icon representation of the time machine drive because <laughs> that used to that, that's just mean that you that uh, so I'll have to hack it again you know I have to put the proper icon on it. It was a picture of a TARDIS before that particular USB drive. Uh, so Sophie's much disappointed about that one, so I'll have to, I said I'll fix it for her. Uh, but yeah, because the time machine seems to put its own icon over the drive now, with it's, a, it's like a, a green colour with a, a, a clock on it, uh, going showing it, you know, going backwards. But no, I mean, it, first impressions, I think it's it's slick, it's non-intrusive, you know, in, in, in your operation of your system. So I think give it, you know, give it a clean drive and, and let it sit there and. I do believe it's gonna, it will come in useful. There are, you know, you. I don't believe it's the total backup solution, and we've discussed this. We're saying that, yeah, the total backup solution is going to be applications like SuperDuper, like what you've used, uh, and you, you feel safer in that mind that you've got, uh, you know, a, a complete system image. Uh, but no, I, one thing I haven't done yet as well, and, and I possibly will report back later. It might be worth discussing it more in, you know, in a couple of weeks when I've had more of a chance to. I think you. I believe you can customize it. Oh, one thing I have proved yet: yeah, you can immediately tell it not to uh, to back up something. So, for example, in me iMac G5, I only wanted it to back up the iMac and not the other FireWire drive that's plugged into it. So, you know, you can immediately check a checkbox and say, "Don't back up that particular drive." Uh, so, but uh, I believe there's some more customization customization features for me to tell it what and what not to back up. So I'll, I'll I certainly will. Be, I'll report back on it. I will and uh, give a give more of a final verdict. But uh, no, it, oh, Mac bites guinea pig. Yeah, that's it. But yeah, it's, it does seem to be working pretty nice at the moment. So uh, that's good. That's, Glad to hear that's it. That's time machine for you. And then there's iCal. Me and my iCal. I'm becoming a bit of a guru in iCal. I'm not a happy bunny with most of it. But I found a good feature. Go on. Uh, I found when I was adding an event and filling in my little information bubble that as soon as I'd added um, an alarm to it, another alarm option popped up. I thought I didn't notice that happening before. So I filled in that one and another one popped up. I thought, oh. So what you can do is you can either sequence a set of alarms or create different types of alarms. So you could say, right, I want a message with sound uh, 15 minutes before and I want an email alert 10 minutes before. So I think that's a really useful feature. I like that. It doesn't make up for the loss of the info panel, obviously, but I do like that. So you got 
So you've got different alarms for the same event. Yeah, you can have multiple alarms for the same event and you can set them differently. Because what you used to have to do, if you had an alarm yeah. and you, you were, say, setting an alarm two days in advance, when the alarm came up, you had to then stop what you were doing, look at the alarm, and then set it again if you wanted another alarm one day before. But now you can set a sequence of alarms at the point that you're creating the initial appointment. So I think that's really, really useful and different types of them. So rather than just say, well, I want a message this time and then have to go into iCal and change the type of alarm, you can have multiple different types of alarms set. So that's a good one. Are you sure it is a good one? <laughs> yes, I'll, yes, I'll, definitely. I'll not, I don't want my either in that much. <laughs> one will do. <laughs> No. Oh, it's when I'm if I'm doing something where I've got an, um, an online event the next day, I want reminding a day in hand, and then I, maybe at the end of a business day, and I, I, what I'd have to do is come in, see the alarm, look at the time, add sort of seven hours to it, say remind me in seven hours. But I just wouldn't have to do that. I can set that up initially when I'm setting up the appointment, and um, if I'm using the same appointment, if I copy and paste, then you know I've got the same thing in the future without having to set it. So I like that feature. Um, we've mentioned about the auto-recognising of the events, don't let you change the URL. I really, really want to change the URL, so if anyone's got a workaround for that. Um, another strange one I had was, when I had the bubble open, I wanted to add some notes to it. And what it wouldn't let me do was use my clipboard extender. I use Shadow Clipboard um, so I can have multiple things on the clipboard. And I'm editing in the bubble, and as soon as I click on Shadow Clipboard to change what I'm going to paste in, um, it stops you editing the bubble. So you have to go and sort of get what you want to paste and then go back to the bubble and then re-edit it. So that was a bit of a pain. Uh, and the other one, which was even worse than that, is if you're adding text to the bubble um, and it's sort of towards the end of the month. So I'm in month view. I'm adding something to the last row of dates and I'm going to paste in some information that I've got from an email. When I paste it in, the bubble expands off the screen and you can't see the done button so you can't stop editing it, you, you've got to move it so you'd actually have to click in just the right place to drag the bubble right the way up the screen at which point it's not actually pointing at the event that it, sh it should be attached to and then you can click done So What, you only had one screen on at the time? Well, it went off the screen at the bottom now so if it had gone to the side that'd have been alright ah. Obviously I need another monitor or two What on the, oh, So you, you need a, instead of like stacking your monitors horizontally you need them vertically as well i do yeah <laughs> it needs to look like mission control really it does <laughs> the day will come the day will come three 13 inch monitored um cinema displays yes i want the al gore the al gore set up is what i want yeah uh -huh. now i now i've seen that that is definitely what i want so uh, that's what i found with uh, iCal today and that's that's because i've been using it a lot and putting a lot of appointments in but overall i still like the look of it just don't like the bubble but I will win Steve over in the end. Oh, oh, right. He'll have so much nagging about the bubble. Yeah. I predict the return of the bar instead. Of the info bar. Well, something I like, um, having had a, a chance to play with it this week, is um, Quick Look. I think that's that's great. I've uh, I've got some, some Word documents, actually, that were created on a, a PC. And uh, two or three years ago, mind you, and uh, it just opened them up in Quick Look, which was great. And it actually, it opened them up in Text Edit as well. Um, and they look fine, no problems at all. But uh, Quick Look is Quick Look is great. I don't know if any any of you have uh, have got any comments on that. I'll jump in. I I must admit, it's it's beautiful. It, I can't believe you know, like it's one of those. It's it's now one of those features. You think. I, I can't believe I ever lived without it. It's it, what I find it. Quick look is designed for people like me, who aren't organised, who are not got everything tidy in in folders. And like I, that's why I like Quicksilver so much. Quicksilver, you know, brings things to me that and you know, but where I don't know where they are. Uh, Quick look is another one of those features where, in the process of me doing these reinstallations, you know, and, and cleaning everything out, but dragging my documents back from uh, from backup drives that of course uh, I decided to you know go through these documents and uh, and have a look see if there is anything I can get rid of I don't need anymore and it's amazing what you can quickly see because you I have I've got documents here untitled one untitled two 
Oh dear me. Because it's all coming out now, the total shame of it. Because it's it's just temporary things at the time, you know, and things like that. And you think, well, you know, you, you never, I've never gone back to these things. And every now and then I find something that I, I genuinely found a, a document that I, I thought I'd lost. And it was a simple thing, you know, all it was, it was a document that I downloaded. It was, we took, oh yeah, I could go and get it again. Uh, but it, I thought I'd lost this document. And uh, so I was going to have to hunt it down again. Uh, so quick look was just, uh, yeah, and I found it, I did. I found it, God, untitled one. <laughs> so, <laughs> perfect. Because I only found it just through, you know, cursing around in, 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 you know, in my documents folder. And, uh, and, and there it was right before my eyes. It was, you know, it was a PDF and a, I could clearly, not clearly see, but just I could see the uh, the logos on this uh, particular document from this uh, equipment manufacturer. I uh, trust you immediately renamed it Lazarus. <laughs> I printed it off. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like technology, eh? So you didn't so, trust yourself electronically. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, but that just goes to show how quick look it's going to is so so useful uh i don't want to be you know and that's why I, like i said i compare it to quicksilver in terms of the kind of it, i think it's aimed at people like me who just we don't we don't need to know where things are i mean i mean from being from a windows pc user i mean i was always taught and i you know taught others to keep yourself organised, keep everything you know in the, in the folder tree structure and everything and make sure you have folders properly named or your documents properly named now, I'm not saying that switching to the Mac has made me lazier. Uh, I think that what it is, is the fact that I don't seem to be so worried and concerned about things like that anymore because it's just there and it's, it's even easier to find now. So, you know, Spotlight is good as well. I mean, I think we'll both, I think we'll all agree that Spotlight is, seems to be faster now, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so I said that last week. It's a lot faster. And and the spotlight also is is great as uh, for searching across your network, you know, and, and searching you know your other drives and things like that, uh, you know, which it, it didn't do before. Which is, it's you know, it's really good for doing that. So, but no, I mean, Mike, I, I reiterate that. I think uh, I think Quick Look is just brilliant, absolutely super. Well, a related feature that I found um, is Coverflow. I had Coverflow turned on. And for folders, it's not that exciting. Well, I think they go hand in hand, though, don't they? Quick look and cover flow. Yeah, but the the feature I noticed was had cover flow on, had the folders passing by me, and all of a sudden a graphic appeared. And I looked at the graphic, and obviously I could see what the graphic was. And what surprised me was it was an Illustrator file. So that's a proprietary file format. And you could clearly see the graphic. Now, previously, you'd have an Illustrator icon. And to see it, you'd either have to use Adobe Bridge, which will give you thumbnails and previews, or you'd have to open up the file. You know, it doesn't help if these things are called Untitled 1, obviously. And um, there it was, in glorious preview in Coverflow, which I thought was amazing. So I like that feature. And I found a good use for preview as well. Um, I was looking forward to, to preview with um, the extra graphic features that they'd added to it. And uh, there's a really good one. I had about five or six graphics on my desktop. And I wanted, you know, they were helpfully called Picture 1, Picture 2, Picture 3 because they were screen snaps. All and right. I wanted to Just rename like them. Just like Untitled 1, Untitled 2 with me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, you know, they only sit there for 10 seconds like that. So I needed to open them to see which was which. So I selected them all. And what used to happen when you right-clicked and said open was that it would open five preview windows and you could see what they were. And you could always, when you were looking at the graphic, rename it on the desktop and as soon as you click back on preview, it would rename the file. It wasn't saying, oh, it's open, you'll have to close it. So you could always do that. But something completely different happened this time. I selected the five files, control-clicked or right-clicked on them and said open. And it opened up preview it opened up one window with the sidebar sliding into view and the five images displayed in the sidebar. So you weren't cluttering the screen with five preview windows. And from there, you could click on them, see what they were, back to the desktop and rename them. You could also, if uh, you'd taken, well, for, for me it was a screenshot, if I'd taken a screenshot and it wasn't the right one, you could f directly from the preview window right-click on the thumbnail and say delete, send to trash, 
and it, it did, it just disappeared off the desktop. And if you wanted to email it, you could right click and say email. So it's fantastic, it's a really useful feature. I would like the ability, because these were PNGs, I would have really liked the ability to say file save as and save it as a PDF and had a multiple page PDF. But I tried that and it was a step too far. It yeah. didn't do it, I'm afraid. It's but a, try that, really good feature. They seem to be implementing uh, some great new features there that, let's be honest, you used to... Uh, have to reply on a third-party application to do those features. And another example is Spaces. And I'll just uh, quickly say that Spaces is is my fave, uh, my new fave thing from uh, from Leopard. I'm using it all the time. Uh, are you? I am. Yes. One thing of I go on, Mike. I was going to say that uh, yeah, I played with it once. I'd installed it. I had to play with it, and I. It does look great, and uh, I will definitely be using it. I didn't think I was going to use it. I liked the idea of it when he demonstrated it. I thought, oh, that's cool. That was before I had two monitors. But what I was concerned about was, I thought, nice feature, but it's going to make the machine crawl. And when we installed it that very first night and we were chatting and we were both trying it, it was like, wow, look at the speed. Don't you think the speed's amazing? I think one of the reasons is it's not trying to do too much. I've I have had a go uh, of using virtual desktops before, and with virtual desktops you can do more customization. Like you can change the desktop background in you know in your in each space and things like that. So if, when you're flicking between spaces, then not only has it got to change the windows that are on view, it's also got to change the background and things. You know, and and you can do too much, and too much customization slows it down. And I think. I think possibly Apple have, you know, maybe. I'm not sure if they're going to go down, you know, going to add to it because people have been asking for features like that. Where can you have the background differently for the different spaces? And I think they're the kind of things that would slow it down. So I'm happy the way it is. To be honest with you, I like it. It's fast. It's slick. Uh, and like we talked about, you know, system uh, things that are not going to impact on system resources. And like what you, you know, you had those worries. So definitely, I think space is a great feature. Uh, so I'm now using it all the time, especially when you know, it's perfect for them when, when you're using your little screens on your on your MacBook and people like me that have only got one screen on the desktop computers. It, I mean, it is, it's fantastic for that. Uh, but while I've been playing about with it, I've been dragging Windows around all over, you know all over the show, and what I accidentally discovered, uh, completely fluke. But if you you don't have to, if you want to move a window to another space. Normally, you'd uh, press the F8 button and you get the view of all your spaces and you can drag the windows around in that respect. But I accidentally discovered while I was moving windows around on one space that if you hold the window over to one side, then it automatically flicks over to the other space. And it just needs a couple of seconds to kind of realise that you're, that's what you intend on doing. Is So if you hold uh, one of your windows, you know, grab hold of its... Uh, what were you, call it the title bar don't we you know the uh, the bar at the top if you grab that uh, and drag it either to the top to the bottom to the left to the right and just hold it to the extremity of the of the space that you've got on view all of a sudden it, it'll swish over to the next space beautiful and it just like I said the implementation of it I, I like it the way it is so there's lots of people that are asking for new features to be added to spaces and now personally I, I like it the, this is that Apple thing it's minimalist isn't it there's no need to go over the top and, and like your, what you said and your concern was about it slowing things down. And I think if they did start adding all these extra features like, oh, I want a different mouse cursor on this space and a different background on this space and a different icon, you know what I mean, for this and a different clock set up on that space. You can imagine uh, people, it would just, it would crawl to a halt. So, no, I, I like it the way it is. It's really useful. I've seen similar before many, many years ago. I think it was Windows 95. Uh, with with a product possibly from Norton. Anybody remember something called Norton Desktops? Is this ringing mm, a bell? I do. Yeah, yeah. and it, the idea was great. And of course, in those days, it, you were on like a 14-inch monitor, so even more useful. But it didn't work very well, to be honest. It was just too slow, and that was my concern this time. So I actually anticipated turning it off. But when I tried it, it was so fast, I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a go and I'll wait until I've got all my applications on and see if it slows down. And it hasn't. It's fantastically fast. One thing that's a little bit odd with it is if you've got um, a new aluminium keyboard, F8 is one of the volume keys. 
So <laughs> I find that very strange. So I've had to change mine to uh, the one at the end that used to be the eject key. Um, so I've changed that. I've also found that there are applications that don't play nicely with it. The one I've had a look at is Notebook from Circus Ponies and I've noticed that there's a thread going on there for them and other people have got the issue. What happens is when you flick to see all your spaces, when you see say you've got four and you're looking at them all in miniature on your screen, the Notebook application window is sort of sat across three of them so it's just not playing nicely with spaces at all. So hopefully an upgrade coming soon there. That's another application that I use a lot. But I think I'd have to think about not using it or only using it at certain times if I couldn't use spaces because I've got used to using spaces so quickly and it is so useful. So have you come across any software that's not compatible with it? Not yet, no. Uh, like I said, unfortunately I've not finished reinstalling everything but no, up to now, uh, everything seems to work no, it's it's not impacting on anything, so I'm pleased, very pleased. Mm, yeah, good. I will second that. I will second that. I've I've found no showstoppers. So just I'm me then. With it. Just you. Well, it will yes. be. <laughs> That's good coming from you. You can't get your eye chat working or Skype. Well, I have on one machine. Some strange problems. Obviously a fluke. Oh, okay. Yeah, never meant it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, that's all we've got time for on this uh, episode of Matt Bites. Uh, as usual, you can uh, leave feedback at uh, mattbitesuk at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit the website, macbytes.co.uk. And uh, by the time this podcast goes out, we'll have a mini survey on the site so you can tell us uh, what you think about the doc. Thanks to everyone who's left feedback, particularly Gazmas. Um, have we tempted you to upgrade to Leopard yet? Please let us know um, your experience if you do. And everyone else, please let us know how you get on uh, with your upgrades. For anyone who's in the Warrington area on the uh, the 8th of um, November, the Northwest Mac User Group are running their monthly meeting. And in fact, this month, Mike B, myself and Elaine are doing a presentation on, on how we put this podcast together. So uh, you're welcome to join us. The um, website is www.nwmug.co.uk. You'll find further details on that. And um, next episode is an iPhone special, or should that be a Mike B special? <laughs> is it just... Okay. Yeah. I've got to say, I can't throw a sickie for... I can't throw a sickie for that one. The rest of us will be taking the week off. Imagine not that we'd get a word in edgeways if we didn't. So, uh, it's goodbye from me. A goodbye from me. An iPhone from me. I mean, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>